Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm guest bailiff Josh Gondelman, filling in for Jesse Thorne. We are in the chambers this week to clear the docket. Please welcome the one-man judicial branch here to settle disagreements with his official stance, John Hodgman. Well, it rhymes, Josh. <laughs> I kind of Hamilton rhymed it in the middle. <laughs> oh, you know, uh, Lynn will be very happy to hear that. He's a listener mm-hmm. to this show. Hi, Lynn, if you're listening. If Hi, you're Lynn. not... I- I don't blame you. There are a lot of podcasts. This is one of them. Uh, Josh Gondelman, you have a, you have a podcast, right? I sure do. It's called Make My Day, and Make it's a, a game show with one contestant each week. So the contestant always wins. A the very contestant st- always wins. And very been, low stress. I've been a guest on that podcast. Josh, you've been a guest on this podcast. Yes. Just Both a, things some episodes ago, you were on as a friend of the court to help clear the docket back when I was rollicking along up there in Maine mm-hmm. and you were in New York where you live. I'm now back in New York. We're joined in Los Angeles by producer Jennifer Marmer. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. There we are. <laughs> you know, we, we, we were chatting before we started the record and it's always the worst thing to do because that's when the, the best, most exciting podcast material comes out before you hit record. As Josh pointed out, it was pure it was pure. It was not even podcast gold. It was po- podcast Doge. What's Doge? Yeah. Well, you brought up that it was crypto, more valuable right. than gold, just by by volume. I don't know how you measure mass or volume of cryptocurrency. No, no. It's all it's all currency of the mind. <laughs> is, is Doge a cryptocurrency? It I don't is. Know that it's one. the one with like a dot, a little corgi on it. I think we are into Ethereum here at JJ Ho. Ethereum. Oh, okay. We have, some, we have a a recovered Ethereum miner among the listenership. Anyway, Josh Gondelman, you were you were a guest, a uh, friend of the court, uh, as I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that you know this, but we do a lot of research in the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Yeah. So every episode we do after it comes out, we ask people to do surveys. Uh, you know, when they're downloading it, we stick around for a, a 25 to 35 minute survey after mm-hmm. listening to the podcast. And I would say we have about 99% compliance. Listeners definitely want to let us know how they feel. Yeah. And then they can fill out, you know, what, what did you think? Describe in words, especially when we have a guest bailiff. Describe in words, guest bailiff. I'm going to tell you, I've got the results right here. Mm-hmm. And you scored off the charts, Josh. Wow. Very, very I, popular. I feel great about that. Wait. Yeah. Off, well, okay. Off the charts in the good direction. In the good direction. In the great direction. <laughs> oh, good. With Josh Donovan, the only direction is up, up, up. <laughs> Interestingly. That was something that someone said, actually. Up, that, up, up. Is he okay? Very energetic. Weird. Very energetic. Yeah. Uh, almost unpleasantly so. Full of energy. Almost <laughs> mysteriously so. Okay. <laughs> Seemed to grind his teeth a lot. I don't know what that's, that's about. That's not but. true. <laughs> no, that's just referring to a little private joke that Josh Gondelman and I have. He is not He is not addicted to caffeine. You know, he's a straight, he's a very, he's a straight no, everyone said, extremely nice, very warm and engaging, made me feel great. Nicer than the regular guy <laughs> should replace Judge John. Ho- wow. So, oh, this one says Judge Josh Gondelman is easier to say. That's not true. Not true. Op- no, it's hard enough to say Judge John Hodgman to add Judge Josh, Josh Gondelman. Gondel- no, unfamiliar, so, unfamiliar name to most people. More syllables. That's not. That's, that's, that's not. Just that's rude. Not How dare you, Josh? Just Gondelman. rude of them to say that. One of the greatest persons in comedy or any field. Nice pep talker on Twitter, writer and co-executive producer of the amazing Jesus and Marrow. Talk about names. Talk about those are big names. Jesus and big Marrow. Big names. Great names. Big, big names. 
If you're not watching that show, you should watch the show. These, I mean, ooh, most, I mean, incredible, incredible chemistry those two have. If you are watching the show, you're not off the hook. Keep watching it. You don't. We're, this right. isn't a shift change. <laughs> right. Stay watching it. The show is off the hook. You're on the hook to watch it. <laughs> Do they need someone to write taglines? <laughs> Jesus and Marrow. I think that sounds That's- pretty cool. For the next season, it's going to be a poster of you, your face, Judge John okay. Hodgen, your face. Yeah. It says Jesus and Marrow. And then it's like right. a quote in, uh, implied in your voice that says, uh, the show is off the hook, but you're on the hook, dot, 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 to watch to it. To watch it. That's right. <laughs> With my face, especially, because it is definitely a face that sells podcasts for free. Um, Josh, thank you for joining us again. To Thank you for having me. Be our, our guest bailiff, Jesse. Jesse's fine, everyone, but he's taking a week away. Josh very nicely accepted uh, our invitation to come in and guest bailiff, and um, we have a we have a fair amount of chat. We have a fair amount of uh, not chat, justice to dispense. Do we not? Yeah, yeah, lots of justice. Well, let's get into it. Here's a case from Kirsten. Hello from Worcester. Oh, Josh, you are a fellow Commonwealthian of Massachusetts, correct? I certainly am by birth. I'm wearing currently a Ben Affleck. Dunkin' Donuts uh, painted shirt. Uh, not The shirt is not painted, but it's based right. on a painting. Yeah. And uh, and so, yeah, a, a, a tremendous allegiance to Massachusetts. Where again are you from in Massachusetts? Will you remind I'm me? From Stoneham, Massachusetts. Stoneham, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. So you will agree with me. Worcester is terrible. Well, look, I said that once on my podcast and immediately backtracked because <laughs> the people of Worcester, I feel like I feel like they'll hold a grudge. Uh, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> that's probably true. That's why when you take the, that's when you take the uh, shortcut from I-90 to 495 via 295 through Worcester mm-hmm. when you're driving north to Maine, mm-hmm. everyone, everyone speeds really fast and it's very scary because they don't want to, <laughs> no, Worcester's lovely. You, get, Worcester's lovely. you want to see someone mad. You go tell someone from Worcester, you refer to Worcester as Western Massachusetts. Whoa. Like you want to see, you want to see someone mad, just go to Worcester. I think that that's pretty much <laughs> It's Massachusetts talk here on the Judge John Hodgson podcast kidding. with Judge Worcester, Josh Gondelman. You're the uh, bester. Look, come on. Oh, <laughs> one of the great cities to know how to pronounce because <laughs> it does not spell correctly. Yeah, uh, the name holds secrets, which is how it's pronounced. <laughs> uh, famous for its uh, famous for its uh, polar soda, its Shire sauce, <laughs> and uh, everyone everyone knows it as Mike Birbiglia City. Worcester, Massachusetts. <laughs> That's what it says on the sign on the way in Mike Birbiglia City. Would not surprise me in the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, in any case, Kirsten lives there with her husband and, and she sent this in. Go ahead. Yes. I apologize. Hello from Worcester, says Kirsten. I originally submitted this to you in 2019 for a live show at the Wilbur Theater. Oh. Having heard your desperate pleas for cases recently, I thought I'd dig this one out. There is a very busy intersection near our house, and two possible shortcuts to avoid it. Shortcut A is shorter, but more heavily traveled, so the odds of getting stuck behind other drivers is higher. My husband, Chris, will always take shortcut B, which is slightly longer. He argues that getting stuck behind drivers is a risk he's unwilling to take. This has been a running argument for 20 years. Please rule on which shortcut is the shortest. Wow. Okay, so um, I needed to evaluate these two roots uh so i asked kirsten to describe them to me she sent me a map and labeled them shortcut a is blue on the map this will be available on the judge john hodgman show page at maximumfun.org and our instagram account at judge john hodgman 
And she said, shortcut A is blue on the map. It is 0.2 miles and took 51 seconds. Shortcut B is yellow. It is 0.4 miles and took 70. Ugh. I feel like this is an SAT question. You know what I mean? <laughs> I will point out you did this to yourself. <laughs> I do everything to myself. <laughs> we could have like, just ruled on this on kind of the skeleton of the case, but you, a rigorous judge, requested uh, an evidentiary uh, exhibit. Well, I, I love maps, but I didn't expect that I was going to have to settle a, a logic puzzle with a and, Worcester theme. And what we're doing now is the hard part is we're turning a map into out loud words, which is not how they're meant to be. Right. So then, I, then after... She punished me with exactly what I asked for. Mm-hmm. Yep. I decided to punish her and repunish myself. Mm-hmm. By, by, by describing the map out loud. Well, by, I, I asked them, would they be willing to get in their car and drive both shortcuts so that you and I, Josh, could evaluate them? So Jennifer Marmer, uh, able producer Jennifer Marmer, would you please share your screen so that we can watch Shortcut A? Absolutely. Oh, and hi, George the dog. <laughs> It's a real noisy day in, in my house right now. Life life goes on, I'm glad to yeah. say. So, okay, here's shortcut A. Shortcut A. Okay. We, this, is, this is the first shortcut. This is shortcut A. This is the shorter shortcut. And so this is... Ah, this is a very steep road. There's cars parked on either side. I don't know if you can tell. This is New England, so of course the road is covered in potholes and patches. Oh, it's a very steep hill. <laughs> oh good, and this is a good example too, because there are two guys in front of us. <laughs> Whoa, Jennifer Marmer, could you pause it for a second? First of all, I just, you know, I want this to last as long as possible. It's incredible for an audio medium. <laughs> Second of, second of all, I, I just wanted to acknowledge a knowing nod from Josh Gondelman when Kirsten pointed out that the roads are garbage mm-hmm. in New England. A lot of potholes. Third of all, I got a little, as a natural born rule follower, I got a little freaked out because I was pretty sure. I really hope it's not Kirsten driving this car and videoing at the same time. I also wondered that. I'm a little concerned that. that it is. Yeah. Josh, what do you think? Is, do you think she's I, videoing Anne? I don't know. I, uh, I hope. Let's say not. I, th- I bet she found a, a place to uh, to station the, the camera that's safe. Yeah, which would be worse, her driving and videoing at the same time or the fact that she videoed in portrait mode? <laughs> I know, you got to put it in landscape, Kirsten. Kirsten, I'm just joshing you. Oh, that could be a name of a podcast for you, Josh. <laughs> that's like my BoJack Horseman sitcom name. That's right. right. He had horsing around. In this case, jo- Josh is joshing. And I'm judging, but I judge you well because I was, as a natural born rune follower, I was terrified just now. I thought you were going to roll through that stop sign. I also did. I was very worried. Yeah, right? It was very, I mean, I didn't think this would be a suspenseful video. Mm -mm. And then Kirsten came to what my driver's ed instructor would have called an STOP stop. What's an STOP stop? Does that stand for something or does it just emphasize? It is, you're supposed to be stopped long enough that you can go STOP and then keep going. Oh. Sudden terminus of progress. <laughs> it could be a gradual a terminus stop. of progress, a good top. <laughs> no, you want to STOP stop at a stop sign, everybody. Trust me. 
it does sound when I said it like an STOP stop is like a cheer that cheerleaders would do for the opposing team. <laughs> like, oh no, you're beating us too badly. STOP 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 stop. Is that now look, you are the master of the pep talk on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Is is and and cheerleading is full of pep. Mm-hmm. I it's been a long time since I've been to a sporting event. Is there cheer is there anti-cheerleading? I don't is there glo- think <laughs> gloom leading? Like if you are rooting against the other team? I feel like they usually take the tack of like, instead of going like, hey, other team, stop kicking our butts so hard. They would be like, hey, our team, maybe give it a little extra oomph. All right. I think we invented another new thing, gloom leading. (laughs) That's what the, you can't hear it. You can't hear it, but that is what the cheerleaders in the Smells Like Teen Spirit music video are chanting. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Jennifer Marmer, play. Keep going. I can't wait to see what happens next. Sound quality is terrific. Okay, here comes another stop sign. It just Ooh. nails it. Fantastic. Oh, see, and they're gone. Oh, those cars in front of her disappeared. And then, and so then occasionally here, there'll be some cars backed up. And that's the end of shortcut one. That's the end of shortcut one. And... Exactly per Kirsten's uh, reckoning, that took 51 seconds. Now, Josh, I leave it up to you. You've seen shortcut. It's shortcut A, actually. She called it shortcut A and mm-hmm. shortcut one. That is the shortcut she prefers. Yes. Are you ready to watch shortcut B? I am. Or have you already come to a decision? No, not yet. I don't. I think right. it would be uh, uh, prejudicial, dereliction of duty, right? Okay. To rule after just seeing a single shortcut. Right. Okay. So let's roll. Uh, this is shortcut B. Shortcut B. And oh, I, I, have, I have a note here that says uh, the the maniacal laughing is their teenage daughter in the back seat, thinking that Kirsten and her husband are weird for doing this, and that I'm very happy to be a part of that. I think that answers the question of whether Kirsten is recording herself. I think that's true. It could have been different times. I don't know. That's true. It made me nervous. Let's roll on B and see what happens. All right. <laughs> Okay, we're approaching the signal from the same location. So this is the starting point. You'd go right there at the light for shortcut A. And now we're continuing on for shortcut B. And full position. Language started. Look at those great, look at those nice houses, those nice sized houses on reasonable sized plots of land. Still pretty steep, not quite as steep. The Worcester Charm. It is the Worcester Charm. Cars parked on the side. Popple ridden leafless trees. Pretty nice houses. I'm sure they get leaves on their trees. Yeah, that would be so sad if the just trees never had leaves on them. This is definitely a much more scenic tour of Worcester in that you're seeing a lot more of it. Look at that cable beauty. Hmm. A lovely home. And a Mike Birbiglia in every pot. Occasionally, the sun is right in your eyes. A lot of curb appeal here in, in Okay, so now Worcester. this is right. the road. This is Salisbury Street, the same road um, that we turned onto. And so that okay. we're approaching that's not the, the end. end point of shortcut A. And so where this car is coming out of right now, that's the end of shortcut A. So now this is the and end check point flag. the two, two uh, shortcuts converge. Uh, thank you very much. All right. For those of you listening who couldn't see, um, how would you describe the experience of Shortcut B, Josh? It obviously, so the listeners could tell it takes longer. It's yeah. windier would be it's the windier. key. The keyword. 
I was starting to feel like I was in a little bit of an amusement park situation. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of twists and turns, and I don't get car sick, but that made me that made me a little nervous. However, as I mentioned, there was a lot of you got to see a lot more homes of Worcester, Mm -hmm. a lot of curb appeal, and the street did seem smoother. It seemed smoother, less yeah, interesting. Yeah, fewer bumps. Yeah. Well, I can tell you which one works better for podcast purposes, Kirsten, pretty clearly. The 51 second one. <laughs> <laughs> which video works better for showing yeah. on the podcast? <laughs> the one that takes less time for the I listeners. mean, it, it is it is literally the shortest cut. Yeah. Right? Yep. But I guess Kirsten's husband's, Chris's argument for shortcut B is that sometimes shortcut A, you get stuck behind some... Uh, some pokey neighbors in their cars. Yeah. It does seem like you're you're going to end up making a left turn from the stop sign into, you know, across a lane of traffic. So I can see that being being tricky. Which one would you take, Josh Gondelman, personally? I you know, I think personally I'd be a shortcut B guy because I like Whoa. I like the consistency. However, Tell me more. What do you mean you like because the consistency? Because I like knowing that it's going to be that smooth, windy, 71-second journey every time, right? Mm-hmm. I think me, I'm not the, I'm not a rambling gambling type. So if you are kind of the a wild gambler, uh, knowing when to hold them, knowing when to fold them, I would suggest shortcut A because the upside is you save those 23 seconds. Right. Unless you get stuck behind a couple of slopes. Exactly. Yep. And then it's all over. You just you just blew it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well. Sorry. This is this is very hard, Josh. This is a very hard one for me. I'm sorry. I got to say. It's because I don't want to go against. I'm looking at the map now is the thing. Yeah. And there is no question that shortcut A, Blue Route, is much, much more direct. It's about well, 50% I don't, the length. Right. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to triangulate exactly where these people live in Worcester. Mm-hmm. But shortcut A is just basically a straight shot along Sagamore Road, mm-hmm. and I like to say Sagamore because that was the that was the name of our high school newspaper in Brookline, wow, Massachusetts. Nice. Yeah. Whereas you you're going you're you're whipping you're whipping down Wakona Road, taking a hard left on Whitman Road, and then a right on Salisbury Street. These are all some pretty cool New England named streets yeah very new englandy i do love to hear the street names there's something counterintuitive about saying that the short the shortest cut is not actually the shortest cut mm-hmm. and it went for, it went shorter this time around kirsten yep. i mean that's that speaks to your argument but i guess i i personally i probably would take that wakana road whitman road ramble as well because i'm a rambling kind of guy not a gambler just a rambler. <laughs> Are you a gambler or a rambler? I guess that's what it comes down to. <laughs> I don't buy into the rambler-gambler binary. <laughs> I don't like to split a decision. Mm-hmm. So I have to say the shortest, I mean, un- unless we have a lot of data, and you know Judge John Hodgman is famous for its data. <laughs> it's really just impossible to say because the, the shortest cut was the shortest cut. It was shorter yeah. than the other one. It's tough to for us to rule otherwise on what might happen right 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 so we have no predict we have no statistical analysis so this is what i would say kirsten uh run this experiment 150 more times (laughs) 
uh get me the data <laughs> you're under no it's no rush just do it just do it 150 more times video it 150 more times this is a 20 year long argument there's no rush <laughs> but until then even though josh and i and understand why uh chris prefers shortcut b the longer cut i have to rule just with on the side of science and the evidence that is given to me shortcut a is the shorter cut if that is what you're trying to look for a shortcut Shortcut B, it seems a more it's, it's a more leisurely drive. Mm-hmm. But both a is the fast, fast one. Both shorter than the long way around. Oh, forget the long one. You're gonna go all the way around the Harry Goddard house, whatever that is. No <laughs> way. I don't want to get anywhere near that American Antiquarian Society that I see on this map. I have Ugh. places to go. I have a life to live. You think I'm gonna spend, as Mary Oliver would put it, the po- the late poet, uh, my one wild and precious life driving around the Harry Goddard house? I shan't. No, Josh shan't, nor shan't I. Shortcut A until I see that data from 150 <laughs> trial runs of both of both run, of both routes. Don't split it up. It's not 75, 75, 300 total. I want all video, and I want, <laughs> and I want that to be a special podcast by the end of the year. There is a rush, actually. End of, the end year. of twenty, yeah, end of twenty twenty one. I just want to run audio of. <laughs> So they're both roughly they're about a minute each one. So that would be 300 minutes of driving in Worcester. There is kind of also a lovely, with 300 trips, a lovely ASMR quality, if listeners are interested in that. I think it would be incredible. I, I, would, I would listen to that in the car. Isn't that weird? <laughs> you would layer it on top yeah. of your own car sounds. That's right. And kind Next of a Phil I... Spector production style. <laughs> A wall of ground, they a call wall. it. <laughs> doesn't get better than Josh. Doesn't get better than Josh Condiman when it comes to a Phil Spector pun. Doesn't get better. Just joshing with Josh. Let's move on. Here's something from Derek from Willimantic, Connecticut. Mm. My partner, three friends, and I stopped at Voodoo Donuts in Denver, Colorado, while road tripping across the U.S. in college. The shop is known for its unique flavors. Captain Crunch, Oreo, Bubblegum, etc. And we bought a dozen assorted, each a unique flavor, no doubles. This instigated a fight that lasts to this day. My partner thought that each donut should be split evenly so everyone can have a taste of each kind. I appreciate the sentiment, but I think the best way to eat a donut is to eat the whole donut. If I wanted to eat bites of donuts, I'd buy Timbits. Timbits, I believe, are Canadian munchkins right yeah they're the tim hortons version of the the american of the the donut hole generically speaking right duncan donuts owns the copyright to munchkins is that correct i believe so so you're a duncan donut partisan correct i am what do you think about these voodoo donuts i like a fancy donut but it's a different thing right like i wouldn't i wouldn't go there and just be like well uh i guess I'll just grab one of these decadent Oreo cookie donuts as like a companion for my morning coffee because right. then for lunch I would have a three hour nap. <laughs> <laughs> and also some of those, like, I don't think anyone wants to eat a whole bubblegum donut. No, it, it seems more like a, like you taste it and then you go, oh yeah, it does taste like a bubblegum. Yeah, novelty, novelty donuts. Whereas a Dunkin' Donut is a work a day pastry. Mm-hmm. A blue collar donut. And when occasionally you, a, a blueberry donut. <laughs> you eat a donut from time to time, right, Josh? I'll eat a donut from time to time. 
you have, you go on a road trip back when such a thing was possible, and you'll sure. go on one again when it ha- when it's possible again. Definitely. You're in a bar, you're in a car with some friends. You stop and get some novelty donuts. You got twelve different wackadoo flavors. What such what? as mohair and <laughs> <laughs> mohair and mohair. There's a mohair one and a cardigan one. Weirdly, <laughs> they s- split them up. A double double mohair. What are some of the other flavors? I can't <laughs> think of anything. You, you get your mohair. You get your double mohair. You get your cardigan. Uh, yeah. You get your sycamore. I only got um, cardigan because you're wearing one, of course. I was about to say post-it note flavor because I'm looking at stuff on my desk. <laughs> Just like how a, how a character comes up with an alias in a 90s thriller. Oh, it's like how like eight or nine-year-old John Hodgman hanging around in, in my house with uh, my oldest friend Damon Graff. And Damon Graff was telling me all about his imaginary friend, Fred. And I said, well, I have an imaginary friend. And Damon said, yeah, what's his name? And I said, uh, windowsill. <laughs> Story. Ooh! Oh, come from the uh, from the Connecticut windowsill family. <laughs> oh, Josh! Too many tangents, Josh. TMTs. <laughs> TMT. You're in a road trip. You get some novelty flavored donuts. You're in the car. Your instinct, Josh. Your preference, not what's right or what's wrong. Do you want a whole bubblegum donut? You know, I won't even throw you the bubble gum. Yeah, give me one that you that that a person might eat a whole donut of. You want a whole whole maple glazed, mm-hmm. or a little taste of maple glazed Oreo and Captain Crunch and whatever. I'm a little taste guy. You're a little bites, little bites, little bites. right? Yeah, especially when it's an assortment of novelty donuts. If it was like everyone make an order, right? And I was like, right. oh, I'd like a blueberry glazed donut, please. And then right. everyone, someone goes, let's do little bites. Is like that was not the deal. Right. Right. Yeah. No. Well, the problem was they had not made a deal. They went in. They went in recklessly. Mm-hmm. They ordered it an assorted dozen and then they just started driving. Mm-hmm. I guess they were, you know, they didn't think about it. They didn't stop like, and think like this Thelma might... and Louise themselves. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. Oh, sad P.S. We drove over a cliff. Weird. I didn't see that. Part. <laughs> I guess they're OK, though. I did ask Derek how, because this did happen, and and I I was curious how they decided to resolve the situation in the moment. And he wrote back, after negotiating which donuts we could eat and which we wouldn't mind missing out on, two of us were able to have one whole donut each. The two who wanted a whole one each got their own. He had the Oreo donut, and it was delicious. Of course it is. But he also wrote, interestingly, the women in the car wanted to split, and the men all wanted to eat a whole donut. And since then, we've seen similar trends when polling our friends. See, it's all about the data, Josh. It's all about the data. This is a data-driven... You're one of the leading podcasts in data-driven podcast metrics. Oh, we, dr- we drilled down the numbers. <laughs> the, this, this, is, this podcast is the the subject of the, the famous Michael Lewis book, Money Pod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's get some more data. Jennifer Marmer, according to Derek, there there is a gender role breakdown uh, between who wants to split a donut and who wants to hold donut uh, I guess be- due to male whole donut anxiety they're afraid they can't have the whole thing it'll make them less lesser somehow mm-hmm. but without with Jennifer Marmer what is your gut instinct you want a whole donut in this situation one whole novelty donut or parts of, of multiple novelty donuts this is a tough one because if <laughs> 
We, uh, when we were working in the office during normal working in the office time, uh, not often, but a lot of times, uh, somebody would bring in donuts from a novelty donut place. They also have mm-hmm. normal donuts that mm-hmm. aren't novel. Um, California donuts in Koreatown, and they have oh. just really great, fun donuts. Uh, they have like an Oreo donut that looks like a little panda. Love it. Um, Sounds good. It is good. And in that situation, I would probably do do a split, you know, I, I like a little do piece a just because it's a lot. Um, I'm also, it's just a lot of donut. And I don't know if I want to, it's not even about the anxiety of uh, splitting it or whatever. It's just too much donut for me. But, you know, if it was just a regular maple glaze, whole donut. And also, if they're in the car, I wouldn't want to deal with splitting jar. it because it feels like a hassle. Oh, so wait a minute! Now you're saying you now you're leaving, if it's in the if it's in the office of Maximum Fun. Yeah. You want you want little donuts. If it's yeah. in the car, you want a whole donut. Yeah, because I don't want to deal with uh, Ooh, our numbers are all over of, the place. I know it, it's it's not help. I'm not giving a helpful answer, but that's how I feel. Well, look, we just blew the stats because I'm a, I'm a little bit of donut guy. Mm-hmm. And I and I am arguably a guy. The arguments have been made that I'm male. <laughs> so we've just reversed all of your data, Derek. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, the obvious answer here is split them up. Yeah. In this in this context, you should have split them up, Derek. Or if you wanted a donut of your own, a donut of one's own <laughs> to yeah. enjoy, you order that separately. You can't order family style. And then stake a claim to a, a whole donut. I want all of that big, big platter of spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah, you can have the you salad. You can't do that, yeah. right? Yeah, because what your friends won't tell you, Derek, is you got that Oreo donut, and you left a bubble gum sitting out there. Everyone, of course, the Oreo donut was delicious. It's a delicious, time-tested flavor in any sort of sweet, sweet treat capacity. But a bubble gum pastry, ugh. Like that's just that's that's novelty for the sake of novelty, and it's gross. And yeah, I understand why you wanted to eat a whole Oreo donut. Here's what your friends weren't telling you: they all did. But you, uh, but you, I, 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 they all just sort of went along. It's like Derek wants the Oreo. Fine, let's just keep going. We we have another we have another nine hundred miles to drive with this guy. <laughs> I'm sure you're very sweet, Derek. No, don't don't get me wrong. But in this context, you're in a you're on a road trip. You're out to experience the world. You're not ordering in from the the donut place in Koreatown at Maximum Fund headquarters that you can order in from any day you like. You're not going to your regular donut place. Mm-hmm. You're going to a place that, that, you know, I think there are other voodoo donuts in the world, but it's like you're zooming through Denver, the Mile High City. Let's get these wackadoo donuts. Let's just be wild. Let's get a, an assorted dozen. And then you're driving on. And who knows when you're ever going to go back there again? Don't just eat the Oreo. Sample life. And let the Oreo into other people's hearts and mouths. Yeah. Josh, when we, when we get to go on a road trip again, uh, where are we going? And by we, I mean we as humans. No, you and me. You pick a road trip for you and me. <laughs> All right. I just, um, it was a, I was a, and genuinely, it was a personal question that I turned into a weird a weird personal request. Well, my first, my first road trip is um, just before I'm like my vaccines are um, fully I- engaged. 
before, yeah. before thrusters engage on the full vaccines. I'm going to rent a car and go visit my parents in Massachusetts. I haven't seen them nice. since um, Christmas 2019. That's um, nice. So I'm very excited to see them. Um, but that's, you a and destina- I, that's a destination. Yes. And the correct choice. Thank you. And I will go with you, obviously. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. You will yeah. join me and my wife, Maris. <laughs> Yeah, to visit my parents. Big, they're, they're big fans. Love Maris. Love her podcast, The Maris Review. Best name in podcast. <laughs> my parents would be very excited and surprised to see you. I, I would be, th- I'd be thrilled to meet them. What are their names? Uh, David and Elian. Would do they like to be called by their first names, or is it uh, a Mister and Mrs. Gondelman situation? I think at the age that that we're at now as adults, I think that they're okay with that with first names. I'm gonna Mister and Mrs. Gondelman them. I think you they know, would appreciate that, that extra mile. I call. I still go mom and dad. Yeah, I wouldn't feel comfortable with that myself. But uh, Mister and Mrs. Oh Gondelman's yeah, yeah, yeah. That was not a suggestion. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I misunderstood. <laughs> I if you want trick to, them into thinking we're brothers. They are used to answering to mom and dad, so it would put them at ease if you would call them that. No, I'm going to call them Mr. and Mrs. Gondelman, and guess what's going to happen, Josh? They'll the, be charmed. Before I leave town, mm-hmm. I'll be dropping into a local Stoneham, Massachusetts mailbox a handwritten thank you note, and they will love me more than you. Let's move on. Let's go to a break. Wait. Okay. <laughs> No? Not ready for a break? <laughs> I was just going to ask, they'll love you more than I love you or more than they love me. <laughs> They're going to be like, John Hodgman is a sweet guy. He's not as mean as everyone said he was. He deserves to keep his podcast. <laughs> Josh has his own podcast. Don't take over the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Mm-hmm. Josh, please. He wrote us a handwritten thank you note. It's a true, <laughs> it's a truly wonderful gesture that not enough people do. Thanks for the inspiration, John Kimball. Now let's go to a break. We'll be back with more cases to clear from the docket on the Judge Josh Gondelman podcast. What? How come you wrote that? Well, Jennifer Marmer is already updating the text, the template. We got to give the people what they want. Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org. And they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020... I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, 
Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. This week, we're clearing the docket. I'm your guest bailiff, Josh Gondelman. Here's a case from Lance in Twinsburg, Ohio. My partner Amy and I often have disputes about whether fantasy worlds in books and games take place on other planets. I contend they do take place on other planets, especially if a map is included or the creators describe geographic features that do not exist on Earth. For example, the Yatil Mountains in Greyhawk from Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, I almost said Yattle Mountains, but that sounds very Yiddish, more Yiddish than I <laughs> imagine Dungeons & Dragons. You gave, it, you gave it some good fantasy world sauce in it, the Yatil. Thank you. Yeah. Amy says, it's just a fantasy world, and it exists without any other needed context. I ask the court to rule that I may call fantasy worlds planets and that Amy does not roll her eyes when I do. Mmm. Mmm. A, a case that tests the tension between fantasy and science fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Two genres often lumped together mm -hmm. by their own choice for protection <laughs> against the world. They stand back to back and gently cower against one another. Did I ever tell you that I was a, the the host of the of the Nebula Awards, which is one of the top tier awards for fantasy and science fiction writing? In I don't the United think we've spoken about it, but wasn't it in your book, Medallion Status? It was, and then the Medallion Status, I wrote about how we were all in this hotel in Chicago together, and there was this huge like signing. All of the science fiction and fantasy writers and me were signing books in one big ballroom. And then down a short hallway in another big ballroom, a local, I think, Catholic school was having its prom. And <laughs> during the signing, I kind of had to take a break. And I left this room full of older science fiction and fantasy writers just and just and just felt drawn towards the pumping base of this high school prom <laughs> and all these beautiful, you know, young people in their rented tuxedos and gowns. Some of them had come out 
to take a, take a breather from all the dancing and all the incipient hugging and kissing that was going to happen. And they were just like full of, of life and energy and just in their, in their exhalation uh, and their moment of rest, they had more energy than I'll ever have in my, <laughs> the rest of my life. And every now and then a couple of them, one of them would catch my eye and they would see this withered, weird, half bearded <laughs> old man sharing their universe for a moment and i felt like oh this is this is a science fiction book they're like they're they're looking through a portal to another dimension and it's like don't stare at the abyss too long or you will become that i'm from the future (laughs) so i mean look obviously science fiction deals more in planets but josh in your opinion do you ever read you read a lot of fantasy i used to when i was a kid i haven't so much what'd you rock I was doing just the real basics. I I did some Narnia. I did, uh, gosh, I found a book outside my home yesterday that I tweeted a picture of and because I thought it was funny. And and I think I may have read it as a kid. It's called Dealing with Dragons. And beloved. I tweeted it. Yeah, it is. Let me find the name because it is. I tweeted it and then like immediately 30 people were like, um, that's my favorite book from when I was a kid. I read the whole series. My nephew is reading it right now. And it's like, it makes me cry. It is by Patricia, Patricia C. Reed. C. Reed. W-R-E-D-E. Yes. I think we have access to the same database here. It's a data-based podcast. Enchanted <laughs> yeah. Forest Chronicles. The first in the Enchanted Forest Chronicles. Where does it take place? Princess Simmerine is frustrated by her life and persuades the castle staff teacher to magic, magic cooking Latin. That's That's on earth, I guess. Doesn't say what the name, doesn't say what the name uh, of the fantasy kingdom realm. that she is. Yeah, the realm doesn't say here. Do you remember if it was on Earth or not? I don't. No. Oh, okay. Well, that's in, you, those are some good touchstones, right? Because Narnia is that another planet? What's well, so they start feeling? on Earth, right? Yeah, of course they do. They start on, and then they go through the wardrobe. Go through the wardrobe to the to the realm of Narnia. Yeah. There's no part of Narnia that maps to the map of any part of Earth. Right. But also we don't know that it's somewhere else. Yeah. Does that feel like another planet to you or another realm? Much more realm-like to me. Uh, Let's not even define what realm is. Yeah. Does not feel like (laughs) travel to another planet. It does not feel like travel to another planet. Now, uh, Middle Earth in Lord of the Rings. Is that another planet? Or another realm. I always assumed it was an inaccessible realm that was part of the planet Earth. Our Earth. <laughs> Why are you saying that? Just Why are you because our Earth. No, oh, our, our Earth. Earth. Yeah. I, thought you, I thought you were pronouncing <laughs> Earth in a special way. Like, oh, I didn't. Put some, that's how you put say. Little... That's how you say it in Cinderin, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't all of a sudden be like, what, uh, how would Ludacris say it? Like at the end of a lyric, just like, uh, yeah, uh, the hobbits went around and they walked through Arth. <laughs> well, close, but no pipeweed pipe, uh, out of Hobbit in there, Josh, because it's earth. That's why it's called middle earth. Yeah. It's supposed to be earth a long, 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 long time ago. Oh, is middle the time? Something like that. It's okay. hard. Like, you know. You look at the you look at the maps of Middle Earth, the world, the global maps of Middle Earth, and they don't track to Earth. But this is supposedly in some 
prehistoric Pangea moment. It's I I I I could be getting this wrong, but I fairly no, sure I got this sense. right because I studied that Maps of Middle Earth book for a long time. I always pictured it as like you'd take an elevator down to the middle of the Earth's crust, and it was hollow. You're talking about where the hollow Earth. Were. Yeah, you're talking about the hollow Earth theory. <laughs> the Hobbit Earth theory is what I'm talking about. I don't have time for Hollow Earth right now, but that would be a plan. That would be Plan Earth. So here's what I have to say about this, Lance. This I understand where your partner Amy is coming from. This fantasy is fantasy. It is fantastic. It is sort of be- beyond the mundane, the literal worldly, and instead it is a flight of fancy. And I find myself. I think the Narnia thing was a real gut test for me. Because, you know, you tried, Lance, to load the dice. You tried to load the 20-sided dice on this one. <laughs> Which is very noticeable on a 20-sided dice. There's so many ways it could land, and for it to be the same one every time. 16, the- 16, 16, over and over and over again. Sure, I, you, know, you didn't go as high as loading it to be a critical hit, but sure, 16 right. every time is, it's a, you're putting hey, your thumb on the scale. Hey, it's all about data. If you know what the data is going to be every time, you have an advantage. Mm-hmm. But you name drop those Yatil Mountains in, in Greyhawk, which is the, the original setting of Dungeons and Dragons. Initially the castle of Greyhawk, then the city of Greyhawk, and then the world of Greyhawk is how it's defined on the same database we were looking at together earlier, Josh, but a different page. Mm-hmm. The one the one about Greyhawk, the, the Greyhawk Wikipedia entry has some pretty amazing sub, subheadings, including uh, the Greyhawk Wars, mm-hmm. uh, Gygax Departs, Greyhawk, <laughs> Greyhawk Novels Continue Without Gord the Rogue. I mean, this is what I'm going to be reading when I wake up at two o'clock in the morning tonight. Gygax Departs sounds so much like the title of like a fish song that they've never put on an album. And when they play it live, it's 50 to 90 minutes. And everyone's like, you've got to hear Gygax Departs. Uh, yeah, no, fish, you get that. I we, we have a lot of fish listeners. Get word. Hey, fish listeners, get word to my friend, my personal friend, Mike Gordon, bassist from Fish. Mm-hmm. We got a name of a song for him and it's <laughs> Gygax Departs. They'll Tell know what Mike it means. Gordon. We've got to call G- Gary Gygax was the creator of Gary Gygax was the creator who, who much like Steve Jobs, l- l- left his m- most well-known creation. But unlike Steve Jobs, never came back. Mm-hmm. He, de- he departed. He, depart- he departed. Back. He departed. He departed on the uh, on the gray boats to Elven Heaven or whatever. It's it all is. it's all covered in the song lyrics. Yeah, it's- <laughs> let's not bore the listeners. <laughs> It's going to be a hot song. You know what? Hang on. Mike Gordon, my friend, the bassist from Fish, give me a minute. If there is a Judge John Hodgman listener who wants to write and perform Gygax Departs <laughs> in, I'm not, in the style of Fish, in your yeah. own style, in your own style, Ooh. you can freestyle it. I would love to hear that song. There is also a subheading in here called Setting setting in which the name of the planet on which the world of Greyhawk is located is named. And do you know what the name of that planet is? I'm going to guess Greyhawk. Oh, Earth. <laughs> O-E-R-T-H. Wait, the thing I said by accident earlier. Yes, that's why I was so <laughs> struck by what you said. I couldn't, I thought you were getting ahead of me. You were in my no, mind. I was way behind. 
So yeah, wow. absolutely. You know, Lance, you're right that Greyhawk is on a planet, but I, but and and you know, other fantasy novels take place in worlds that have clear planetary features. Like I'm gonna, I'm going to say that uh, Westeros is on a planet that is not Earth because it doesn't share any of the geographical features of Earth. Does not track to any of the history of Earth. It's a completely separate planet, probably in a different dimension, that happens to share most of the language and culture of medieval England <laughs> for reasons unknown. It's well, a fantasy. It defies you know my, logic. Have have we been over this, that I hate when stuff has British accents just because it's old? <laughs> that is a pet peeve of mine. Give them Greek accents for once. Anything. Are you trying to come in here and poop on my favorite show, I, Claudius? No. Ancient Rome, some of the best British actors of all time? Not, it's not that they can never be British. It's just that sometimes they should be German. <laughs> or, <laughs> you know, I just think yeah. a, a variety of accents. <laughs> In any case, fantasy worlds can be set on planets and identified as such for sure. But that does not mean that a fantasy world is necessarily a planet. Because it exists outside of rational description. That's the point of the fantasy. It is a world. It is a realm. It is a, it is a dimension. It is a, and who knows, maybe in this fantasy world, uh, th there aren't planets. You're just, you, maybe the planets are flat. Maybe they're, I mean, it's like Asgard floating out in space, flat. Mm -hmm. like, a, like, a, like the cover of a Yes record album. A, bi <laughs> a big feature, big floating island in the, in, the, in the cosmic slop or whatever. It can be whatever it wants to be. Now, Lance's partner, Amy, don't roll your eyes. Lance isn't wrong. Greyhawk's on a planet. It's called Earth. There's all <laughs> kinds of precedent for this. There's all kinds of science fiction and fantasy crossover, all kinds of fantasy stories that are actually taking place on other planets that are not Earth and are defined as planets. But it's okay for the Narnia to be in a symbolic realm of myth, um, which is not not bound to a planetary scale. That's what I would say. Josh, do you disagree? No, I think this is a great ruling. I think like Thank you. it is helpful it's to nice have to hear that from the new host of the podcast that I still <laughs> Yeah, your last ruling was a terrific one. Your final ruling, I should say. Whoa. Not even gonna let me finish this one out. We're flipping this, we're passing the baton mid podcast. All right, here we go. Next one. <laughs> Josh, here's something from Faith <laughs> from unknown location. No, I'm uncomfortable writes, with no, this. No, you, no, 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 no. Look, I look. Oh, take you're it. gonna this make me smoke one. the whole podcast. <laughs> oh, you want to host the podcast? Host the whole thing. No, not the whole. We're almost done. That's true. Faith says I am an engineer for a medical device design consulting company. As such, a lot of what the details. Excuse me. See, this is hard to do. I don't. I'm not. I, this is hard work. Do you want to switch back? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. I'm an engineer for a medical device. This is still Faith from an unknown location. Right. I'm an engineer for a medical device design consulting company. As such, a lot of the details of my work are confidential due to client NDAs. When I talk evasively about what I'm working on, it leads to some weird statements like, customs wouldn't let me through with our prototype. And our device isn't making the building shake anymore, so that's nice. And... <laughs> I got stuck in the blood room again. Whoa. My friends, Lo and Marion, have taken to accusing me of being a spy due to these statements. 
I don't mind being given a more sinister job title, and naturally, I play up the weirdness of my workplace for fun. However, I object to being labeled a spy when titles like Mad Scientist or Hench Person to a Supervillain fit so much better. I feel like I told them objects moved on their own in my house, and they concluded I had a Bigfoot infestation. Please tell Lowe and Marion to make the accusations fit the evidence. Now, sometimes, Josh, Jennifer Marmer and I do a little polish on the letters to mm-hmm. tighten them up because, um, you know, we're a professional podcast. Yeah. You know, if, if, if we're going to if we're going to play an audio only of someone driving and not talking, <laughs> we're going to keep it to 75 seconds just yeah. out of courtesy to the list. 51 to 75 seconds is the sweet spot. Every, we all know. <laughs> right. And as I was looking through this this morning, Jennifer Marmer, I saw this line. I feel like I told them objects moved on their own in my house and they concluded I had a Bigfoot infestation. And I was, and I was like, I don't understand what that means. I'm going to cut it out because it's not clear. But then I read it again and I'm like, it's not, it's still not clear, but it's beautiful. I, I, I think like I understand I t- what it means. Okay. What's your interpretation? Because this feels like. I would like to hear this lyric in Gygax Departs because it feels <laughs> yeah. If you're writing Gygax Departs, to me. you got to put this in there. It is right. a beautiful turn of phrase. I thought a beautifully written letter, but I think specifically um, what uh, what Faith is saying yeah. is that she gave a problem. She she provided a set of evidence that leads to a specific kind of conclusion, and her friends have reached a different conclusion like the wrong conclusion that is in a similar grouping right she gave them hey there's a a magical thing happening clearly ghost right and they've inferred instead bigfoot she gave them a poltergeist clue and they came back with a with a cryptozoology right uh, and so what she's saying is parallel she's giving them all mr mr police i've given you all the clues as the poster (laughs) for that movie the snowman said Mr. Police, you could have saved her. I gave her all the clues. Um, wow. And she's saying all the clues for hench person or mad scientist. Or mad scientist. And they have instead incorrectly uh, drawn a, a direct line to spy. Right. Merely because she's being coy about where mm-hmm. she works. Yes. As opposed to what she is choosing to reveal about where she works. Yes. Which would definitely point to absolutely faith. I'm not even going to make you a hench, a hench person to a, a supervillain. Forget it. Mad scientist all the way. Look, you got stuck in the blood room. It happens all the time. But you're not getting ordered into the blood room. You're taking charge. You're the mad scientist here. You Brit, know what I mean? You, you buzzed your assistant and you're like, hey, can you reserve me the blood room from two to three? <laughs> you know, you can do that online now. You don't have to. You can re- reserve the blood room online. They have a whole... Yeah, I know, but it's like I, I'm putting my finger down like I'm still talking on the intercom. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's just like I don't want to learn the whole new thing, and it didn't work last time. Can you just do it? Can you just put uh, it from the blood room two to three? Okay, you're the boss. Good role play, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but Faith, you are the boss. You're the mad scientist. You are the super villain. Own it. Own, well, you you do own it. Don't undermine yourself with uh, with hench person. And yeah, Mo and Lorian. No, sorry, Lo and Marion. <laughs> cool name. Both, all of those, all four of those are cool names. But Lo and Marion is the are the two that you have. If you'd like to acquire two more friends, I've got suggestions for their names. <laughs> In any case, don't don't undersell faith, 
Faith is a mad scientist, not not a uh, not a spy. I have a thought on this. Please, May. So, Faith, you're right. Obviously, you're a person of science, a person of logic, both. And and I think you're right on, on the grounds of being factually correct. However, this is their bit. You can't dictate the rules of their bit. If it was hurtful to you, you could say, please don't do this bit at me. But for you to be like, you guys have a joke about me. I'm fine with you making the joke, but I wish it were correct. Not the rules of bits, Whoa. in my opinion. Judge Josh Gondelman comes in and reverses the decision. I'm. This is just we're, we're. This is dialogue. I feel like I could I could come around to your side, but I do feel like what she's doing. She's um she's applying logic to the bit world, and I feel like there's no faster way to take the air out of a bit. Right. This isn't a planet. This is a realm. You don't apply <laughs> this logic. Is a to, realm. You don't apply logic to bit world. It's not a. Pl- <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Guess what? You can't interfere with their bit, but Judge John Hodgman's going to come back and say, turnabout is fair play. Your your new bit is their names are Mo and Larian. <laughs> I would even go as far as to say your new bit can be being mad that they say spy and not supervillain, but you can't actually try to convince them because then it's not a bit anymore. Fair enough. Judge John Judge, it's not easy to say yours name either. No, judge it's Josh Gondelman. No, it's all the judge ja, all the judge jaws. <laughs> They're all hard to say, but Judge Josh Gondelman has spoken. Let's take another quick break. When we come back, an ice cream dispute and an ice cream recommendation on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Oh, more role switching. Wow. Okay. You're the bailiff again. <laughs> I feel like we're, this is like, a, we're, we've been doing this Beastie Boys style. <laughs> we're just passing the mic. Yeah. I got you. Okay. Very good. I like it. Here's the case from Eric from the state of Maryland. <laughs> Eric says, my wife is a monster. She will eat the center of an ice cream carton, hogging all the mixings, as that's where they always settle. 
I'm not looking for an injunction to stop her. If she doesn't stop on her own, she won't grow as a person and understand she's being selfish. What I'm looking for is a ruling that I'm not violating our marriage vows to honor and cherish by calling her a monster for doing it. So first of all, calling people monsters, that's a th- that's been a thing on Judge John Hodgman for a long time. Let me get a ruling from Josh, Judge Gondelman. <laughs> Uh, because you are you are you are a person of compassion and of empathy. Is it ever okay for a spouse to call their other spouse in a in a joshing manner a monster or no? I don't want to say never, but I right. don't think it's it's a good habit. All right, fair enough. So be careful, Eric. Again, it's contextual. But that said, is there a crime here? So Josh. I had no idea what Eric was talking about eating the core of an ice cream carton because all the mixings always settle in the middle of the ice cream carton. I thought maybe they had some kind of neighbor who haphazardly uh, threw together an ice cream with some mixins and didn't stir it well. Because unless, except outside of those occasional car- pints you get with like a core of chocolate core, in the middle. Right, yeah. a literal like core of caramel or something like that. Yeah. Um, I've never noticed that the, the mixins settle in yeah. the middle. Ice cream is not a colloid. It's not, <laughs> there's nothing settling in there. And I think the ice, these are commercially, I, I believe they get these from the Wegmans family of stores, their ice mm. creams. And I think that I think that high high quality ice cream companies want to have an even dispersal of stuff inside. Jennifer Marmer, you ever you ever noticed that the the ingredients, the chunky ingredients of a of an ice cream settle in the middle of the carton? I've never experienced that. That's very interesting. So I asked Eric to provide some evidence that this was actually happening, and he sent me two photos, which you well. Yeah, I guess we're going to put these on the show page at MaximumFun.org and as well as the Instagram at Judge John Hodgman on Instagram because, I mean, just, you know, maybe a content warning because this first one, <laughs> kinda, this, fir- this first one is, I guess, white chocolate raspberry from Wegmans and the way his wife is scooped in the middle is, looks a little bit like a wound. It's a little bit. <laughs> it's a little graphic. It's, it's a little, it's a little bit scary looking. Mm-hmm. And he's, and he wrote, I, uh. We purchased the Wegman store brand. This is white chocolate raspberry. I've also included one, uh, maple walnut, showing how I scoop the ice cream. And that's the second photo, uh, which it, it, you can see that the scooping is much e- more even. He's saying a clean... Almost, like, almost too even. It's unsettling well, in a different way. <laughs> it, looks, it looks like the topography of a fantasy land. It has peaks and valleys. <laughs> You could probably find a settlement of elves and halflings in there. Mm-hmm. Wegmarnia. But <laughs> All right. That's it. I'm going home. <laughs> Enjoy your new job, Josh. Jennifer Marmer, you don't mind working for Josh, right? He's a wonderful guy. Not at all. He's the best. Yeah. Wegmarnia. <laughs> it do- whether it's a planet or a plane floating in an alternate dimension in space, there is definitely a a fairly flat topography here yep. that suggests that he's taking it off fairly evenly. But neither of these photos, I have to say, Eric, proves your initial claim that the, that the mixings, as you call them, settle in the middle. I mean, what you yeah. would need really? to do... Well, no, I mean, 
because if you look at the white chocolate raspberry, this is his wife is digging into the the ice cream right in the center. She's creating a, a hole, a mine, as it were. You know, a traditional coal mine. You dig into the earth as opposed to just taking off the top of a mountain like they mm-hmm. do in West Virginia to get coal and or build air, airports. <laughs> well, ter- Have you ever flown, flown into Charleston, West Virginia or out? No. Gosh? It's the the... You know, it's it, the terrain is so mountainous and rocky that they had to cut off the top of a of a mountain to put the airport on top. You drive up and around a mountain. It looks like an evil villain's lair because mm-hmm. you dr- you drive around the mountain slowly, uh, inclining to get up to this top of the mountain that's been cut off, and they just have an air airport up there, and the runway doesn't have to be very long. Because you're already you you zip right off into yeah, the air. There's already air underneath you. Yeah, it's it's scary stuff. I like that. I I I performed in in Charleston with uh, Justin and and Sydney McElroy, and that was a lot of fun. Uh-huh. But in any case, she is she's digging deep into the core, leaving the rest the 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 rest of the surface untouched. We don't know. We don't see what's underneath the untouched surface. There. Agreed. This, That's you, true. Yeah. We're gonna need more data. <laughs> I, we're gonna need more data. I need all right, Eric, and I need you guys to each eat th- 150 <laughs> containers. Most delicious ruling. <laughs> 150 containers and take well, uh, uh, maybe not 150 containers. I want you to live, but 75, I like to, 50, 75 and 75. <laughs> yeah, 75 containers each of white <laughs> chocolate raspberry. 75 containers of maple walnut. This is all a red herring, which is one of my oh. favorite flavors of Voodoo Donut. Um, <laughs> this, I think, is all a red herring because, really, he doesn't want remediation of this or amelioration of this scooping problem. What he wants is the permission to call his wife a monster for her scooping style, which I feel we should not grant regardless. Yeah, I mean, even if you were just coming to the podcast, Eric, saying that... I don't like that my wife scoops in the middle of the ice cream because it bothers me aesthetically. And I would prefer that she that she do a strip mining operation the way I do on my maple walnut. That still would not be evidence of monstrosity. You need to go <laughs> a little bit farther. Little Even bit if she farther. was doing it out of spite. <laughs> Unless you have some kind of uh, perhaps an obsessive compulsive disorder. Not to be glib, where that would be... Uh, off-putting to you if it's just a, a neurotypical issue of ice cream preference no thank you yeah that said eric i can appreciate why you would like your wife to be literally more even-handed mm-hmm. in her ice cream <laughs> scooping um because if you dig down into that core deeper without widening it, it it's gonna get dangerous you're gonna be definitely scuffing your knuckles on that ice cream as you dig in there there's no reason for that it doesn't look good. I'm almost thinking about not posting the photo because it looks so unnerving. But Settling, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm willing to order that Eric's wife scoop a little bit more evenly. Mm-hmm. But I don't think she I don't think she deserves monster for this one. All right, Josh, we got a letter uh from Maya, uh, who had a related ice creamy recommendation a, couple, uh, a, a few weeks ago. Uh, Jesse Thorne and I were talking about putting salt on vanilla ice cream, which I had never thought of, which is great mm. because ice cream is the only, I love, I, I don't care for sweets, but I do love salty and fatty things. Mm. And I never thought ice cream is, 
is right on the tolerable uh, edge of the of sweetness for me because it is so creamy and rich. I like mm-hmm. that. But if I could add salt to it, forget it. I'm just going to eat that for the rest of my life. So Maya says, my husband's and my favorite ice cream combination is vanilla ice cream with flaky salt, fresh figs, and fruity olive oil. We got the idea years ago from Sever magazine, and it has become a mainstay. If figs are out of season, we sometimes use fig jam, and a flaky smoked salt is even better. That is the, Maya's recommendation, and I do not care for smoked salt, but it seems like a fun thing to try otherwise. Uh, and I bet if you like smoked salt, I bet it'd be delicious. Josh, do you yeah. any, you do any weird modifications with your ice cream? No, I'm pretty, uh, pretty, pretty vanilla meat and, pota- meat and potatoes <laughs> with my ice cream. That's meat and potatoes is my other favorite flavor of voodoo uh, donut. <laughs> Go on. I love it. Um, I, but I, I, I'll get the like fancy boutique pints of ice cream and eat them slowly over the week. What I eat do. them slowly over the week mm-hmm. slowly taking good. off top layer after top layer i never do, mining the core i because it is mine and mine alone my wife and i do not share ice cream often then i'm i take a few liberties if i see a big chunk of something i want i i take it out and put it in my bowl with no compunction you know what josh mm-hmm. and listeners of the world however you enjoy ice cream is the way you enjoy ice cream and you should revel in it Just get what you want. You deserve to get what you want in life. Obviously, there are times when we have to share. There are times when we should share. There are times we have no choice but to share. But there are also certain gifts that we have to give ourselves from time to time, too. Your own ice cream, the way you want it, that's a good thing. I think think you deserve it. Mm -hmm. Josh, you did a good job. You deserve ice cream. Thank you. Jennifer Marmer, you did a good job. You deserve ice cream. Thank you. Don't give any to your baby. No problem. I won't. (laughs) That's a mean thing to say. He doesn't know it's good yet. Yes. I have a friend whose parents told told her that yogurt was ice cream until she was like seven and figured it out. Parents, don't lie to your children. (laughs) Don't don't tell don't tell them that yogurt is ice cream and you know how I feel about Santa Claus. The docket is clear. That's the end of episode one of Judge Josh Gondelman. Our producer is Jennifer Marmer. Thank you, Josh, for joining me today. Josh, uh, where can people find you on social media? I am on Instagram and Twitter at Josh Gondelman, G-O-N-D-E-L, man. You got Josh Gondelman for both your Instagram and Twitter handle? Yeah. I I had to, I spent tens of thousands of dollars buying off another Josh Gondelman. (laughs) I would make me so sad if you did that. Follow us on Twitter. (laughs) I'm at Hodgman. But on Instagram, I'm John Hodgman, because Hodgman was taken, and that person has not updated it in 10 years. Whoever that is. As a show, we are on Instagram, at Judge John Hodgman. Please follow us, like us, bookmark us, send your stories, comment more than four words, get us into that algorithm. Make sure to hashtag your Judge John Hodgman social media, hashtag JJHO, and check out the Maximum Fun subreddit. If you'd like to discuss this episode, I'll be jumping into the subreddit a little bit more these days. Submit your cases at MaximumFun.org slash JJHO or email me, Hodgman, at MaximumFun.org. We'll talk to you next time on the Judge Josh John Hodgman podcast. (laughs) 
the perfect name for a podcast. <laughs> Surprise post-credit sequence. That's right. The Judge John Hodgman expanded universe is back on with the extra content that no one requested until I started doing it. And now it's expected. The other week I asked you to write in to tell me when was the age that you never ate a tomato until, or if you had never ate a tomato at all. I don't know why I did this. I get enough mail, but it was very nice to hear from you all. And I am very glad uh, to share with you now the roll call of the tomato never edders. These are the people who wrote in to say that they have never had a tomato until later of life or even until this very day. They've never had one even now. So let's go. Patrick B, age 36, never at, quote, not even a piece. Bethany P of Edinburgh, never at any tomato till age 19 when Bethany P had their first slice of pizza. They waited so long because of childhood dairy aversion and maybe because of Edinburgh. I don't know if there's pizza there, if it's even pizza. Greg Z, age unknown, whose dislike of tomatoes betrays his own family legacy. His grandfather was a tomato farmer. Benjamin K, age 51, never at, repulsed when family members in Georgia make a tomato and mayonnaise sandwich, one of my favorites. But guess what? Benjamin K holds his tongue because people like what they like. Chuck Bryant, famous podcaster of Georgia, never at a slice of tomato. Adam M, age 42, never at one. Also never at pickles, cucumbers, cherries, plums, mangoes, strawberries, watermelon, and bananas, fresh or unfresh. Keeping it picky, Adam M. Alan C., age 53, never at, and says he is at the age when he can be stubborn. Ty B., age 41, has never swallowed a tomato. Quote, he's never swallowed a tomato. Weird loophole, Ty, I don't know what you're doing. Kim G., age 35, never at one. In part because Kim G lives with autism and finds many tastes and textures overwhelming. Kim asked Judge John Hodgman, that's me, to stop sneering at people with texture issues on the podcast. I didn't realize I did that, Kim. I apologize. I won't do it again. Robin F, age 39, never at one, reports that even, quote, tomato sludge on a sandwich where a tomato has been removed is disgusting and Robin N gives it to their wife to eat. Kayla O, age unknown, never at one. Kayla has also never ate a sandwich or a burrito. In their life, never ate a sandwich. They're working on it. Tom Hale never ate a hamburger till age 26, and then never again till age 37. Doesn't like hamburgers. In both cases, no tomato. Andrew C., you are not the unicorn you claimed to be in your email. Lots of people apparently have never ate tomatoes. You're one of them at age 39, never ate one. James E., age 54, never ate a tomato, nor never ate an onion. Lex F., age 40, never ate one, and also never drunk coffee till this year. Robert E., age 44, never ate a tomato, but he said, if I read his letter out loud, he will ate one. Okay, do it, Robert E., go ate one. Andrew G., age 29, never ate one. Always thought they were alone in the world, obviously not true. J.M.'s son, age 10, never ate a tomato, but that's perfectly reasonable. He's a, he's a, He's a child. It's perfectly fine. There's still time to add a tomato. Lucas O, age 34, never ate a tomato, allergic to all nightshades, including tomato, eggplant, pepper, potatoes, and tobacco. I didn't know a potato was a nightshade. Lori T, age late 30s, never ate a tomato. Lori T's dad used to say that eating tomatoes and all veggies would, quote, put hair on their chest. This made Lori feel that they would never become, quote, a proper woman. 
and was especially distressing to Lori because they never felt sufficiently girly when they were young. And only in the last few years has Lori realized that they are non-binary. So there you go, dads, go easy on jokes. Jokes, jokes are not always great. Karen J, age 36, never at one and is sickened by all fruits, though they have tried a fresh banana. Thomas R, age 54, never at one. Also loves beans, but hates lentils. And once in the army, ate only plain bread for three days straight. And finally, J. Michael S., age 39, never at a tomato. J. Michael also reports, quote, I grew up in Quincy, Massachusetts, where I did children's theater with the Doughboys' Mike Mitchell. If you and Jesse ever want to see video of Mitch playing LeFou in Beauty and the Beast at age 12, I'm your guy. Yes, J. Michael S., you are my guy. Get me that tape so that we can play it someday in another secret post-credit sequence. Meanwhile, if you have never had a tomato, now you know you are not alone. Therefore, you do not need to write me any more about it. But I love you. Talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.